Hello and welcome to this episode of Stats, the podcast where we share the accomplishments of the Department of Surgery at Baylor Scott & White Medical Center in Temple, Texas. I am Dr. Lonnie Gentry. My guest today is Dr. Harry Papa Constantino, the chair of the department. Dr. Papa, as he is known by those in the department, recently celebrated his 10th year anniversary as chair. In this episode, we reflect with Dr. Papa on these last 10 years and on what he sees for the future. Dr. Papa, welcome to STATS. Dr. Gentry, thank you very much. Excited to be here and excited to be a part of the inaugural STATS podcast. That's correct. I'm excited too. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood and especially on why you decided to become a doctor? That's a really great question. So I'm going to have to go back in, into my way back machine in order, to, in order to answer this one. I actually remember when I decided to go to medical school very vividly. I was actually driving with my dad from Galveston to Philadelphia, which is where my grandmother was. I was a, I was a freshman in college. And my dad just took the opportunity to have a conversation about what I wanted to do with for the rest of my life. And at the time, I, I was very interested in doing uh, economics, and I was actually enrolled in all these economics courses. As it so happened, that was the year that the stock market crashed, and it crashed, oh God, I can't remember, I think it was in January and uh, that was that was the focus of the conversation that I had with my dad. And as I was talking to him about my concern about going into economics, he just says, well, have you ever thought about medicine? And I was like, no. And he goes, well, you know, it doesn't matter what the stock market does. There will always be a need for physicians. And that stuck with me uh, throughout my entire career and throughout my life. And I still remember that conversation. I'm grateful for it every day. Hmm. Your dad was a physician, right? No, actually, my dad was a PhD. He was a, he's a scientist. He worked at the University of Texas in Galveston, and he's a geneticist, and he does most of his research on aging. Who are some of the mentors that you would give credit for helping you along the way? Um, good, good question. Because uh, I've, I've actually, I mean, let's face it, we never get to where we are in our career without the help of a, of a lot of people. And I would have to say that at least from a surgical standpoint, probably the first mentor that I had was my chairman from my residency program, Dr. Joseph Fisher. He was very strong opinioned. He demanded a lot from his residents, but he also supported us like no one else. He taught me the benefits and the value of hard work, of knowing everything for my patients and being a huge, staunch patient advocate. He was definitely a difficult chair to work for at the time, but now reflecting on it, I am grateful for what he taught me. Second person is Courtney Townsend. Growing up in Galveston, Courtney Townsend was the chair of the Department of Surgery there at the time. And I got a chance to spend a year during my residency, or sorry, two years during my residency to do a research fellowship in Galveston. At that time, I got to spend a lot of time with Dr. Townsend. And honestly, he showed me the value of asking questions of research and addressing problems that we have in surgery. And it's something that I still hold very close to my heart today in terms of addressing some of the challenges in taking care of patients, but also 
surgery itself. The third mentor that has been very impactful for me is Dr. Fleshman. And so I actually have known Dr. Fleshman for quite some time. I've worked with him through the American Society of Colorectal Surgeons. I did interview at his program for fellowship, so I got to meet him then. But what really resonates with me about Dr. Fleshman is his belief in people. He definitely believed in the things that I was trying to do for the society, for the public relations committee. He gave me a lot of latitude and a lot of opportunity. We were able to accomplish uh, some fairly significant programs in education of the public for colorectal cancer awareness, for giving people awards within the organization for the work that they've done with colorectal cancer awareness and, and, and awareness of colorectal surgery and colorectal diseases. And I would have to say that the last mentor that has been very impactful for me has been Tony Piccioni. Tony has opened my eyes to a whole new area of leadership, style, communication, conflict management. It's just been very, very eye-opening and enlightening. And honestly, I kind of feel like each of those four have provided me with opportunities to make myself better and to, to better position myself to achieve the goals that I would like to achieve. And now I'm just waiting for the fifth, for the fifth mentor. <laughs> You've been very fortunate to have the mentors you have. You came to Temple 16 years ago. What brought you to Temple? I was on staff at University of Texas Southwestern in Dallas. The chair of surgery here in Temple at the time was Roy Smythe, and I had spent some time with him during medical school on an away rotation at University of Pennsylvania. He was a fourth-year resident, and he was the chief on the vascular surgery service, which was the chairman of the Department of Surgery in Philadelphia. That was his service. We developed a really strong friendship, and we just kept in touch. At the time, Dr. Smythe was in need of developing and advancing colorectal surgery at the hospital, and he had reached out to me and asked if I was interested in looking at a job here. I came down here with my wife and got a chance to look at the hospital, meet the people. I still remember walking into the operating room and seeing Dr. Roberts, Dr. Hendricks, Randy Smith operating and these were the people that I just really wanted to be associated with. They had a really great camaraderie. They clearly supported each other. They were very interested in resident and medical student education. And I really appreciated that. Then add on top of that, what I saw as potential in a clinic type setting of collaborative work for patient care, the interest in research, the interest in population health and those types of things. To me, I just thought Scott and White was actually the future of medicine and I wanted to be a part of it. So my wife and I, we left Dallas, we left the big city and we came to the community here and never looked back. Oh, that's a great story. As you look back over the last 10 years, what things would you identify as highlights? What events that you recall that were particularly significant? Yeah. 
So I'm going to mention things that were highlights and very significant, but also things that created challenge. I must say that whenever you are in a leadership role, sometimes the challenging things are the most exciting things, right? We, we don't necessarily want things to be mundane or easy because it doesn't exercise our skill, doesn't exercise our minds. So I would have to say that the things that were probably highlights for me, number one, was the merger. The merger of Scott and & White and the Baylor Health System in Dallas to become Baylor Scott & White. It came at a very difficult time for the organization, but it came at the right time. And honestly, to me, it actually filled some of the gaps of what we had within our traditional organization in order to help us move forward into the future and to meet the financial, the regulatory, the population growth needs that we were going to have um, moving into 2010s and 2020s. Mm-hmm. Probably number two highlight for me was the opening of the Grabowski Surgery Center, Surgical Center. That was awesome. <laughs> and the reason why it was awesome was that we had known for years that we needed expansion. Our teams had been working in some older operating rooms, and we were making it work. We were busy. We were making it work. But to see the satisfaction of the surgical teams to get that shiny new shiny mm-hmm. new operating room was extremely powerful to me. And, and one of the things that I got to participate in and help do was when we opened up the Grabowski Center, before we started putting patients in it. And we invited the families of the surgeons, the anesthesiologists, the nurses to come and see where mom and dad worked, right? And to me, that was amazing to see kids playing around with laparoscopic surgical instruments, (laughs) to see them dressing up in their surgical cap and gown and playing with some of the instruments. That to me was community. And that to me was, was what we're all about. Um, Third thing that I think was a highlight was the children's hospital. We had always taken care of children, whether it was surgical or medical, within the organization and within the hospital because we're a comprehensive hospital. But to see the recognition of pediatric services from pediatric surgery to pediatrics and the pediatric subspecialties get to move to their own hospital and provide that care for the children in our community was awesome. So that is another thing. That was probably the top three. Other things that have been highlights, and I'll go through them pretty quickly because it seems like I've had a lot of highlights. Number one was being an advocate for robots and actually getting to secure two robots for our operating room so Mm -hmm. that we can advance robotic surgery within surgical services within the temple area. Seeing our surgical teams embrace that innovation and push the envelope to help provide more advanced care to our patients, to me, was awesome. One of the more recent highlights has been our cardiac surgery program and the revampment that we've made, getting to meet our goals with heart transplant and with elevating the quality of the services that we give with cardiac surgery from the STS star rating to achieving for the first time ever for the Temple region, a three-star program Mm -hmm. for coronary artery bypass. I mean, that to me is huge. 
I'm beaming with pride for the team that made of that course. happen. Yeah. And, and I would also have to say transplant in general. Over the course of the 10 years that I've been chair, we've put a lot of focus on transplant. Mm-hmm. We went from a single surgeon transplant program that did 35 transplants a year, three pancreas transplants a year, to our height where we had four transplant surgeons and I believe we did 180 transplant mm-hmm. organs last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and seeing what that does for the patients, getting them off of dialysis, mm-hmm. improving their health is just very satisfying. Well, you've accomplished so much over the last 10 years, you and your department. Our department, your department has, has accomplished, accomplished a lot. So much. Thank you. I, yes. am the, I am the advocate, and I'm here to help break down barriers. So what, what do you attribute those accomplishments to? Who gets the credit? Oh, hands down, hands down our faculty, our team, our surgeons, our operations folks, the OR, the nursing It truly takes a coordinated effort of an enormous amount of people to accomplish every single one of the things that we've accomplished within the Department of Surgery. I just happen to be sitting behind the desk or being in the operating room and being known as the chair of the department. So I would have to say that our people, the people that we've recruited, Mm -hmm. uh, and Giving, helping break down barriers and giving people the opportunity to meet and exceed their dreams, desires, and expectations. I know that's been gratifying for you. Hugely. So in the last couple of years, you started a new initiative which focused on leadership in the department. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably one of the things that over the last year to two years I'm most proud of. And Dr. Gentry, thank you for being a part of it because uh, you were My there privilege. from the, you were you were there from the inception. I think it's important to talk about where this came from. I think one of the things that this organization has been really focused on has been patient safety and creating a culture of safety. And there's no place where it's more important than in the operating room. And about three years ago, we were trying to figure out how can we help support teams to try and advance and expand on that culture of safety. And I'm sure you remember, but we actually talked about communication being the most important thing in a culture of safety and in addressing issues in the operating room. So we developed and created the Culture of Communication Program, OR Edition, where we developed lectures and had people do those instruments and questionnaires to get better reflection on the self. Because as Tony always says, Mm -hmm. who can you control? The only person you can control in a team is really yourself. Mm -hmm. And so helping give people the tools to communicate better, to do conflict management better, how to better work as a team was really important. So the four didactics that we gave was communication styles and conflict management styles, the five dysfunctions of a team, and then the last one was emotional intelligence. Uh, Not in that order, but I think they were really well received and I very much appreciated it. I believe it was impactful because I remember after the communication styles 
lecture that Tony and Bobby Ann gave, that's all people were talking about in the operating room. <laughs> you know, what what color are you? Are, are you green? Are you yellow? Are you red? Are you blue? And I think it was fun to see everybody get really engaged in that and to use that as a tool to improve communication in the OR. Now, so we've taken that and we've actually expanded upon that. We have done quite a few seminars with leaders within the department. We're trying to build that leadership academy, so to speak, the leadership skills so that we can permeate that through the department Mm -hmm. and through the hospital so that we can advance what it is that we're trying Mm -hmm. to achieve in, in all aspects. The seminars have been focused on real life issues that we find ourselves in, conflict management, mediation. And even after we had those seminars, it was actually really neat because the faculty, the the division directors, the leaders in the department would actually have hallway conversations about what they learned, what they discussed. And some would even come and talk to me about how they utilized those tools and how they utilized that knowledge Mm -hmm. in order to accomplish one of their leadership tasks. Mm -hmm. So, So I think that that was very gratifying. And I think the most recent thing that we've done, and you participated in this, is that We've actually have asked Tony to provide education on mediation training. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one of the things that as chair, I'm, I'm always keenly aware of conflict, conflict that are inter and intra-departmental conflict. And conflict is really just is something that needs to be managed just like everything else. So one of the ways of managing it is to do mediation. And if we can build a team that has mediation skills and conflict management skills, then those things don't need to be escalated to the point where it becomes an an issue to those outside the department or to those around us. So Tony actually has educated and has provided 12 of us, 12 division directors, leaders within operations, that mediation skill set to the point where we actually are certified by the state as certified mediators. And hearing from the team members, it was very impactful. They utilize it on a regular basis. And I firmly believe that it's going to help the department advance in areas that will help us in the hospital, in the OR, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, So essentially, for me, the gratification is investing in our people for success of the department and the individuals. That is what I think my main satisfaction with this is. Sure. As you look to the future, what do you see? So I see a lot of optimism. I see a lot of opportunity, but I also see a lot of headwinds. We are blessed to actually be in a hospital that has the primary market share of our area. That's a blessing and a curse because it's ours to lose. So I'm kind of going to akin this a little bit to civilizations. If you look at civilizations, civilizations need to adapt to stay relevant. And I think that to me is the exciting part of our department is that we are adapting. We're trying to adapt and to build on what we have accomplished, but to adapt and make the services that we provide better and 
to meet the needs of what patients have today and also in the future. And I think that's critically important because one quote that always rings loudly in my head is a quote that Wayne Gretzky gave. They asked him, what makes you so good? And he said, well, I always skate to where the puck is going, not to where the puck is. So to me, that means that we need to try and figure out where healthcare is going, where surgery is going, and we need to be proactive so that we can try and get there before everybody else and then continue that adaptation over the course of the next five to 10 years Mm. and beyond. Mm. Well, Dr. Papa, thanks so much for talking with me today. This has been great. I wish you the best going forward, and I'll put your contact info in the show notes. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Stats. Be on the lookout for the next episode of Sharing the Accomplishments of Temple Surgery.